Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Welcome, especially if you're a guest. So glad to have you guys here with us. Man, did you guys enjoy the baptisms? Yeah, yeah that's just amazing. I'll tell you what, I, I love watching uh, people uh, declare what God is doing in their lives. And, and uh, man, it's, it's just amazing to, to watch from uh, young to uh, adult, everybody uh, seeing God move is just, I don't know, it, it makes it all worthwhile. It makes me glad I got out of bed some days, right? You know, it's, it's amazing. Well, hey, uh, we're in a series that we've been doing now for a couple weeks. Uh, today is part four of that series. It's called God Within. And if you've missed any of it, it, of course, can be found online or on our app. And if, if maybe if you've traveled or something, or if you're here even for the first time today and you're like, oh, man, part four. Uh, I, I'm personally one of those people I can't stand to turn a movie on and it's already part way in. I'll, I'll go watch something I don't even like that I can at least start at the beginning. So here's the good news for you. Uh, if you are here for the first time, it's all online. So you just have to go back and catch it when you get home, if you want to, that is. And so here's what the whole series is about. It's called God Within, and it's because of this verse that says, Do you not know that you, you are God's temple, and His Spirit lives in you? And when, when we start to, to discover this, it changes everything. The first thing that it changes is our idea of who God is or, or what God is. Because, you know, a lot of us when we're young or we're hearing stories or people say God and you have to come up with your own idea of what God is, you, you think he's something big or it's something big and far away. Maybe you've, you've heard the stories of, of God sits on his throne in the heavens. And so you have this idea of like a cloud and a golden chair. And so he's way up there somewhere. But, but it turns out he's here. And, and the first thing we learn is that he's not just there, he's everywhere. So you start to, to walk into a room and go, where is he? You know, that kind of thing. And then, then we're taking it to a new level. Not as he, only is he in this room, but he's here. He dwells within his people. And it changes not only our image of him, it changes our relationship with him. Oh my gosh, there's just so many things that change. And that's why we're doing this series. And so, uh, again, you can go get something if you missed it, but I'm going to real quickly walk you through the highlights. Part one, we discovered that the Holy Spirit is plan A. The Holy Spirit dwelling in the believers is plan A. God has always wanted to dwell with his children and, and speak to his children and to be with his children. And so even before Jesus ever did anything, John the Baptist said, look, somebody's coming after me, Jesus, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Like, wow, wait a minute, he hasn't done anything, and you're already telling us, that he's going to fill his believers with the Spirit. Yes, plan A. It's what God was always planning to do. And then in part two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit has come to renovate this. Because as soon as you discover that God lives here, it also can be slightly scary. Because we all had that thing that we hoped God wasn't paying attention to. You know, he's a big God, far away, in a big, big world kind of concept. And you think, well, maybe he didn't see that bad thing I just did. It turns out he saw because he was here. He was right there with you, which can be a little scary. And, and so then we try to act really good and put on a good show for people. And we even try to do that for God. You don't need to do that for God. God knows what he bought on the cross. God knows who you are. 
He sent the Holy Spirit to make you more like him so that you don't have to pretend that you're better than you are. You get to be honest with God. God, I got an anger problem. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I know. I'm here to help you with that. Whatever the issue is, he came to renovate. And then last week in part three, we talked about how it's a spiritual voice. God speaks to his people through his spirit, which means it's a spiritual voice. Up until you understand who the Holy Spirit is, well, you've always heard something out there through here. A natural sound would cause your natural eardrums to vibrate, and, and that's how you heard. But now, it goes from here to here, because the Spirit of God lives in here and speaks to here. So no longer do we have to worry about trying to hear an audible voice or maybe an angel show up at the foot of our bed and, and speak through our eardrums. It's not that way. We can hear the voice of God every day, every moment. I had a lot of people tell me they had never heard anything like that before. And again, when I grew up, no one had ever talked to me about the spiritual voice of God. So if that's a new concept to you, I really want to encourage you to go and check that out. So today, let me uh, ask you a question as we get started here. When you were young, what did you want to be different about you? I mean, some of us were, were older and we still want things to be different about us, but oh, oh well. But let's just go. When we were young, all of us had a list of things. Maybe you looked in the mirror and you, you didn't like one of your eyebrows being a little longer than the other eyebrow, or you didn't like your nose had a little angle to it or something. Or uh, For me, obviously, I wanted to be taller. Um, my wife's tall. She wanted to be shorter. You know, we, we always have things we want. Uh, the, the number one thing that I, I really wanted when I was young was to be athletic. I wanted to be an athlete because no one ever makes a movie about cool band kids. <laughs> I mean, think about it. There are countless movies about the star quarterback. Yep. They've been there, done that, right? Tom Cruise. I mean, come on. There, there are plenty of those movies. And, and there are movies about the entire football team doing something amazing. They even make a movie about a dog being a star athlete, right? Air Bud, come on. I mean, what kind of a world do we live in that they would rather make a dog into an athlete than make a movie about a band kid? So growing up naturally gifted in music, but not naturally gifted in athletics, that was, that was the one thing I wanted to change. And this is funny, uh, Suzanne especially, she, she knows this uh, because I hit her in the head with a football one time. Um, the, the safest place to be if I'm throwing something at you is right where you are because my aim is so bad. Uh, it, it'll go, like if I'm doing that, it'll land over there or something else and, and I'm just not naturally gifted that way. But I, I can play Chopin if anybody cares. Most people don't care. They've never made a movie about a piano player playing Chopin. No, but this doesn't go that way. So, you know, it turns out though when God made us, he didn't just make uh, if you're going to be tall or short or decide if you're going to be athletic or not. When God made us, he also put things inside of us that we're going to determine the difference we could make in this world. You see, we have gifts, and there are things that God put in us that are going to impact every single person around us. Some of us, we, we naturally like to do things that other people don't naturally like to do, and, and so some of those giftings that God gave us, those talents are like leading. Some people love to lead. Others love to follow. Some love to teach. Others would love to serve. It, we've all got different things that we're, we're drawn to. And if you would say, well, well, why are we talking about this as a part of a series on the Holy Spirit? 
Well, because in addition to the fact that when he created us, he put some gifts inside of us, he also will give us new gifts when the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And some of those gifts will even come with power and, and, and uh, just crazy things that God might want to do through us on the earth. And so that's why we're talking about it today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians 12. This is where our main passage is today. And it is absolutely critical, in my opinion, absolutely critical that we know what our gifts are and we know how to use them. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why it's so critical in just a moment. But as we're getting into our passage, for those of you that are turning there, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Uh, every part of this series so far, we've started out with where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's, he's saying, look, I, I'm going away. And it's actually better for you that I go away because instead of you needing to be right here with me right now, I'm going to give you my spirit so I'll be with you all the time, everywhere, any, anywhere, anytime, and it's going to be better for you. And he began to tell them some things about the Holy Spirit that he was going to do in their lives, but he didn't tell them everything. Matter of fact, most of what we know about the Holy Spirit, God left it for Paul to teach us. And if, if you're new to uh, the Bible or, or this guy named Paul, Paul was a hater of Christians. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was actually on his way to kill and imprison some more Christians when, when he was knocked to the ground and spoken to from heaven by Jesus. I mean, that, that's pretty powerful salvation. Some of you, you just heard me, you know, <laughs> you, you didn't get Jesus, but Jesus literally spoke to him from, from heaven. And uh, then we also know Paul says he was called up to the third heaven. Like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Most of us haven't had that sort of experience. And so because of Paul's calling, because of the revelation and the, the different experiences he had with God, he ended up writing the majority of our New Testament. And, and because of all this revelation, he has some information for us. And, and so that's what we're going to look at today is what Paul wrote to this one church. It's the Corinthian church. Now, when you were in school, and uh, the teacher was going around and asking everybody a question. And you, you had your answer ready. And you thought this was going to be it. But it turns out that two kids in front of you said what you were going to say. And it was so bad, the whole class laughed and the teacher just shook her head, right? Come on. Were you, aren't y'all thankful for that kid? You're like, thank God. They, I was going to say that. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm going to say now, but at least I'm not going to say that. That was, that was really bad. That was wrong. I thought it was right, but it's wrong. Okay, so in the same vein, we get to be thankful for the Corinthian church. They were horrible. They were absolutely horrible. If there is a top 10 list of the worst churches in human history, I guarantee you they're still in the top 10. They're still there. They were the, the worst church in how they would use their spiritual gifts. They would use their spiritual gifts just to show off. Or they would pretend to have spiritual gifts just to look spiritual and, and to put other people down. Oh, you can do that? Well, I can do it twice as good. I mean, that was how they acted. And so, thank God for them, you and I have what Paul wrote them to say, stop it. And let me teach you some really important things about spiritual gifts. So here we are, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now the very first thing he says is, look, now brothers, uh, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Some, verse, some versions of your Bible will say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Which is probably what he truly wanted to say to the Corinthians, a little, little stronger there. And so let's jump down to verse 4 and let's begin to understand what he's saying. Uh, he starts out with saying this, now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Varieties of gifts? What, what does he mean by this? What he means is that we're different. 
We're, we're made with different giftings. There are different things that God put in each of us. There are some of you that, that just would love to jump up here and do what I'm doing right now. Matter of fact, you, you kind of secretly play out in your head like you walk in the church and they tell you that I got sick right after the first service and, and would you step up here and read my notes and you're like, yeah, you know. There, there are a couple of you in the room that, that that's your dream. And, and then most of you though in this room, that, like you would go and hide in the bathroom if you knew they were gonna ask you to step up on stage, right? Come on, how many of you would hide in the bathroom? There you go, some of you. And it's just, we have different gifts. Some of you, you love to serve. Your, your favorite thing to do is to be unknown, just, just to get something done that you know is important, that everybody knows is important, but, but you don't want any glory. You don't want anybody to know your name. You, you just want to be somewhere doing whatever that is. Some of you, you love to give. Some of you, you love to pray for people. We've all got these varieties of gifts because if we're all the exact same thing, we're not going to be able to make much of an impact in the world, right? So we have these varieties of gifts. It turns out that most of the gifts in the Bible, if honestly most isn't the right word, all the gifts in the Bible would divide evenly into these, these two groups. And, and so the first group we would use, I would say the word natural. They, they kind of seem natural. If you're a leader, you're a leader. If, you're, if you like to serve, you like to serve. And, and these are gifts that God put in us when he created us. It means that you can use these gifts even before you are a follower of Jesus, even before you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and because God created you this way, it's a part of your makeup, it's a part of your being. But then we've got another group of gifts we see in the Bible that, well, I would say they are more supernatural, because you can't do them without being a follower of Jesus with the Holy Spirit in you. And these gifts are like praying for the sick and seeing them healed and, and, and saying something to someone that God told you to say and, and or performing miracles or these kinds of, you, you guys see what I'm saying. And so we've kind of got these two different groups. And the, the reason that the Holy Spirit is so important is, well, first of all, the second variety of, of gifts, you can't do without the Holy Spirit. And then imagine the first, even though, a leader is a leader from when they are born. A server is a server. A giver is a giver. A teacher is a teacher. Imagine the Holy Spirit anointing that and stepping that up to another level, right? You know, I mean, I'm a teacher, and I used to, to, to teach even when I was a kid in Boy Scouts. I would teach people how to do other things. But once I started following Jesus, the anointing that came on the teaching was, was way better than it was when I was just who I was made to be originally. You guys follow what I'm saying? And so he says there's these varieties of gifts, and it's put inside of us. And so he goes on to say, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. You guys see that? To each is given. I can't tell you the number of times as a pastor I'll ask someone, hey, what are your spiritual gifts? And I will hear the answer, I don't have one. I don't think I have any. But look, right now, if I said to you, hey, each of you is invited to my house Saturday night for a cookout. We're going we're gonna to watch the game. We're just going to have a good time. Each of you is invited. How many of you would go, wow, why didn't he invite me? I just don't understand. I mean, I just said each of you. Imagine this. If, if, if it were possible, on the way out the door, I said, uh, every one of you, each of you, there is a bag by the front door with your name on it. And it's important for you to pick up this bag because each of you has a bag with your name on it. There's a million dollars in that bag, right? Come on. Some of you, some of you just perked up. There you go. I said, if. Sorry to disappoint you. It was an illustration. You don't have a bag with a million dollars in it. But anyway, here's the thing. How many of you, if I said each of you has a, a, a bag by the door with a million dollars in it and your name on it would go, why not me? 
You, you would, you'd be up there going, hey, where's my bag? Where's my bag? And, and so when the Bible says to each is given in more than one place, many times actually. So I'm not just playing off of one word in the Bible here. Many times the Bible says to each one of us, each of us has the Holy Spirit giving something to us. And then it ends with for the common good. You see, it turns out that the gifts that we have are meant to make a difference in this world. They're, they're for the good of others. They're for the good of ourselves. They're for the good of what God is doing. They're for the good of the church. They're for the good of those who need to be a part of the church. And so Paul keeps explaining what this means to be for the common good. And uh, if you are following along, we're going to jump all the way down to verse 27, and, and it's his summary. Then we're going to go back and finish. Because he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you are new to the idea of church, maybe you've never heard this analogy, but there are a few different ways that the Bible gives us a picture of who we are. And one of those is being a body. It's the body of Christ. The Bible says that, that Jesus is the head and we're the body. What he's going to do on the earth, he's going to do through us because a head needs a body, right? And so as Paul writes this thing about gifts, this is, this is the illustration that he uses. So he begins to talk to us as though we're part of a body. And so here's what he says back in verse 14, pick the passage back up. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He makes two really important points as we were just reading that. I hope you caught both of them. I'm, I'm going to make sure we did. The first one that he made here is we tend to decide we're not going to be part of something because we don't like the role that we have. We tend to say, wait a minute, I, I, I'm an ear, but I don't want to be an ear. I want to be an eye because an eye is really cool. I mean, here, when we don't like what we are doing, sometimes we say, I'm going to go do this somewhere else. I'm going to go find a place that will let me be an eye. But you're an ear. No, I'm not. I'm gonna, I want to be an eye. And I don't care if I look like an ear. You just call me an eye. I, I watch people do this in the church sometimes. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Where they, they, go, they go into a church and they're like, uh, my last church, I, I sang on the worship team. Oh, great. Love to have you. Come and audition. And they can't sing. Like they can't sing at all. Like their mama lied to them. Like some of those people you see on American Idol. You know what I'm saying? And they, the judges look and go, what are you doing? My mama said I could sing. And, and, and so they say, oh, I should be on the worship team. Like, no, no, you shouldn't. You're, you're, you're not an eye. You're an ear. You know, I am to an eye, and I'm going to go find a church that will let me be an eye. And, and you, you can do that. If you drive enough times and you go enough places, you will find somebody who says, oh, you don't have to sing in tune. As long as you just praise the Lord, it'll be okay. And, and, and that's true if you don't have to sit out there microphones and thousands of watts amplifying that sound. No, 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 you got to be able to sing in tune up here. That's, that's how that works. But people get really angry because they want to be an eye. And, and I understand that. I mean, think about this, y'all. The eye is really cool, right? The eye gets to see the sunset. 
The eye gets to see the, the beach and the, the white sand and the blue water in the Caribbean. I mean, the, the, the eye, it, it's kind of cool, right? I mean, no, no one's ever looked at you and said, smell that sunrise. No, no one's ever done that, right? No one's ever said, feel this painting. <laughs> if there is ever a time you try to feel a painting, somebody in that museum is going to slap your hand anyway, right? And, and we love our eyes. That's why we take care of them. We go see a doctor just for them. We make sure that our eyes are working properly. And if they're not, then we get them assistance called glasses. We get them shade called Ray-Bans. I mean, we take care of the eye. And we would all love to have this special privilege of being the eye. It, it, it gets the best. And then one day you wake up and figure out God made you the big toe. <laughs> Who wants to be the big toe? Have you smelled the inside of your socks lately? That's its entire existence. Like the only time it's out of your sock is if you let it in a flip-flop. And then you walk on dirty floors and dirty water splashes up and that's your big toe. And then you go to bed, you hide it, you cover it up. It doesn't know if the sunrise is beautiful or not. It's under a blanket. It's trapped under a blanket all night long. And then in the morning when you finally get up, out from under the blanket, it's like, ooh, sunlight. And then suddenly you put a bag over its head. <laughs> and then you put some, some restrictive hard thing on top of it to try and make sure that you protect it, but you're too busy looking at stuff with your eye. You don't pay attention and you run it into something, right? Come on. Who wants to be the big toe? but try running without yours. You see, that's why it says God arranged each of them in the body as he sees fit, as he chose, as he knows is best. And the reality is some of us are going to be a big toe. Some of us are going to be a pinky. Some of us are a knee. Whatever it is, we've, we've all got a different role to play. We can't all be the eye. And his second point is that sometimes we like to say, you know what? I am the eye. I am cool. I don't need you. He says, well, how can the eye say to the feet or to the hands, I don't need you? And, and it's what we're so notorious for doing in the church. If I could just be honest about this for a minute. I, I, I just really wonder if God were to look down and, and see the body of Christ, it, it would look like one of those, those little, like, horror movie things or, or like a doll out of it, you know, where like the arm is missing and the, the eye's been poked out and, and whatever, because we tend to just get upset with each other and the eye is like, well, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore because I saw what the ear posted on Facebook about me and I'm all angry about this now. And well, I was at church trying to serve two weeks ago and well, the foot said something offensive to me in the kitchen. So I'm not on the coffee team anymore. I'm just not doing that. I don't need you anymore. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I mean, can, can you imagine the eye literally saying, I don't need the rest of the body? Seriously, right now, imagine the eye jumps out of the socket and tries to roll across the floor and say, I can do life on my own. It's funny, isn't it? Except, seriously, imagine an eye rolling across the floor. It would absolutely destroy itself within minutes. It would never be able to get anywhere or accomplish anything, and the very thing it's created to do, it would destroy itself from being able to do because it separated itself from the body. You know, Proverbs 18 says, he who isolates himself seeks his own destruction. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We have to get good with who we are, and we have to learn to forgive, and we have to learn to love because we are only going to function well as part of a body. It's how we were made. And so earlier I told you, 
it is absolutely critical we know what our gifts are. It is absolutely critical that we understand them and we know how to use them, and I'm going to show you why. I'm going to give you four things that I believe are the reason we have to know our spiritual gifts, and hopefully these will all be meaningful to you, maybe one of them more than another, just depending on where you are in your life right now. But the first one is this. You will grow. You will grow spiritually. The truth is we have sometimes dumbed down the idea of being a good follower of Jesus to what we can know and repeat. We've made it into memorization and listening to to people like me talk all the time. But the true measure of your growth is becoming what you were created to be. There's a reason that you are on planet Earth. God put things inside of you. God created you to do certain things. You have a, a being, right? And it is not just about what you know. If you can imagine a child and a child growing, there is more to a child growing up than what they they learn one day. They're going to learn their multiplication tables. I mean, how many of of you would think that it would be mature if you had a 21-year-old who has never done anything and has not accomplished, can't tie their own shoes and and can't cook any, uh, can't, can't even boil water, but they learn their multiplication tables. But what we all know is that there are things that a two-year-old can't do. They hopefully can't boil water because you don't want them to spill it on their head. We don't expect that of a two-year-old. But by a 21-year-old, we expect them to be able to boil water. We, we grow up in our being. We grow up in the very task that we do. It's not just what can we hear someone talk about. There is who we're supposed to be. Growth is more than information. It's about transformation. It's about the calling that God put on your life. The second one is that God's church will grow. I'll be honest with you, I've, I've told you throughout the series, I grew up in a really great church. I, I grew up in several great churches. <laughs> my mom w- wanted to go to a Baptist one, my dad wanted to go to a Presbyterian one, so we went to both. That's just kind of how that worked. And, and they were both really great churches. But for me, the perspective that I had was that church was an activity. And few were called, few were gifted, and most of us watched the few, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? We would go and we would watch the pastor. He would talk about how he was called to the ministry, and, and our job was just to watch him do what he was gifted to do. And, and he, he could sit in this office and hear the voice of God and come and talk to us every week. And somehow there was this idea that it was just for the few. It was for the pastor. It was for the missionary. They were called to go somewhere. They had gifts. They could pray for the sick or something like that. But the rest of us, we, we were just here to watch them. I never heard growing up that I, every single one of us, was a part of what God was doing on the earth. Never heard that. But I'm here to tell you, if, if you haven't already picked this up throughout the series, every single one of us is a part of what God is doing on the earth. And there is much more to your calling and to your life than looking at me once a week and listening. No, I, I hope this helps. I hope this challenges you. I hope it does tell you something about God that you need to know. But, but this is like 30 minutes of your week. The rest of your week is about you being who you are created to be, to do what God puts you on the earth to do. You see, the church is the body of Christ. The Bible also tells us the church is a family. The church is a family, the family of God, and that family has a mission. That mission is to bring as many other people into the family as possible. And we can't do that. The church, we think of the church as an organization, but it's not. The church is you and me. You and I cannot bring as many people into this family as possible without the gifts that God has given us. We need leaders. We need servers. We need people who pray. We need givers. We need everything. We can't do what God's called us to do by just watching me. 
It doesn't work that way. Every single one of us has to say, you know what? This is what God put in me. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do. And then we change the world through that. It's what we were put here to do. The third one is that you will be who you're meant to be and not try to be who you're not meant to be. Just stop and think about that. I'll tell you the truth. It's, it's, this has been a challenging morning to preach, and uh, you, you probably may or may not notice the difference. Every now and then somebody will walk up to me and say, man, that's, that's a tough environment today. They can sense things in the spiritual environment. Uh, for, for me, I just sometimes it's really easy to preach, and sometimes it is really, really difficult. And it's not because I, my tongue broke or something. It's not because the notes are confusing. I mean, I, I, they, the notes look the same every single week. But sometimes there is, there is spiritual resistance to the message, and uh, that's another sermon for another day when we talk about spiritual warfare. But here's the thing. If the enemy can keep you from going to heaven, that'd be pretty important, right? Okay, well, if, if that one's already off the table, if you're already following Jesus, then I think the next best thing is if the enemy can get you to not be you, to not do what God created you to do. Imagine According to the census, there are a couple of billion Christians on the earth right now, worldwide. That's how they identify. I don't know that they all are. I'd probably say they're not, but j- just go with me. What if there were even one billion followers of Jesus on planet earth right now? But what if only a few thousand of them knew what they were supposed to do? What if 999 million plus just watched for a half hour on Sundays. That'd be a darn good strategy by the enemy. And so what he, he does is he, he whispers, don't you want to be like that guy? Don't you want to be like that girl? Don't you wish you could sing like the worship team? And then we start saying, yeah, yeah, I, I want to do that. If you can imagine, if I woke up one day and said, man, I just, I'm so jealous of Patrice, our women's pastor. I, I just want to be like Patrice. I just, I just want to be Patrice. And she sits down and she meets with a, a lady to talk about how to be a lady following Jesus, how to be a good wife or a good mom and, and, and how to, to deal with things that, that women are facing and whatever. And what if I just said, I, I'm going to do her job as me. Chances are I'd fail miserably at telling women how to be a a good woman following Jesus. Right? Come on. Not only would I fail miserably at being a women's pastor, I'd fail miserably at being Jimmy since I wasn't bothering to do it. What a strategy of the enemy to get us to not think about what we're put here to do and what God put in us. And I think that's one reason that, man, there, it's just been really, really hard this morning. Just, you know, there are those days where just, you just feel like you're, you're pushing hard against things. Because I think, if just, just for Grace Life, I'll just speak for Grace Life. We're, we're about 1,200 people most Sundays, and, you know, there's always someone on vacation. So, you know, there, there's well over 1,000 people. What if we could go from 5 or 10 or even 100? Let's just say there's 100 of us that know our gifts and are using them. What if we could suddenly become a 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 people who are actively doing what God called them to do in the world instead of saying, well, I'm an eye, but I want to be an ear. Well, I'm a hand, but I want to be a foot. And trying to be something else 
And we spend our whole lives frustrated and making no difference. And last, you will answer to God for what you do with your gifts. Jesus told a parable, it's called the parable of the talents. And one of them was given more than another. Uh, Look, if you don't know this already, we're not all created equal. Some of us do play basketball better than others. Some of us have been given the ability to make more money in business than others. Some of us think differently than others. You see, one of these was given four talents, five talents, I'm sorry, and, and he returned 10 back to the master. He did something with the five he was given. He worked very hard with those five, and he gave 10 back, and, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Another one, though, wasn't given five, was only given two, but did the exact same amount of increase. Took two and turned it into four, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Got, got the same reward. But if you know how the story goes, there was one who was given one. And that one did absolutely nothing with it. Just buried it. Truth is, a lot of us are burying our gifts right inside here. This is the walking tomb. And we never put our gifts to use for what they're called to do. The problem is, that one with one did have to answer to the master and the story didn't end well for him. And I don't know about you, but I know that I don't want to one day stand before God and tell them that I just buried what he gave me and watched someone else use their gifts. We're going to have to answer for what God put in us. If you're a gifted teacher, you're gonna have to answer for who, what, and when you teach. If you're gifted at music and writing songs, you're gonna have to answer for the kind of songs you write. If you are gifted with money and the ability to make money, you will answer for what you did to advance the kingdom with your money. If you're a leader, you will answer for the influence that you have. We will all answer. The question is, are we doing what God put us here to do? We're gonna finish with what Paul was saying, he he went on in another book to talk to a young man that he had mentored and and pastored, and his name was Timothy. And Paul was leaving Timothy somewhere to pastor a church. And uh, the piece of advice that he gave him is what I'm going to leave you with today. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Don't bury it. Don't ignore it. But actually, like, let, let's try to build up this flame, man. Come on. Let, let's get some oxygen going. Let, let's get this flame built up. See, here's the truth. You've already learned this in the series. If you are a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You know what that means? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a flame. The problem is that for many of us, it's that itty-bitty little pilot light in the bottom of your stove. And it is time to turn that on full blast. It is time to fan in the flame this thing that God has put in you to change the world. And the truth is, today, I, I can't begin to stand here and teach each of you your spiritual gifts. I can't give you all the spiritual gifts test. I don't have the ability to do that in mass like this. But that's why we do it in other places. Here at Grace Life, if you come to First Step, where we find out if this is the, the church that God's calling you to be a part of, uh, you find out. That's, that's what we mean by that. We do first step to help you with that. We, we give you a spiritual gifts test from the very beginning. 
Because we want you to know if you're going to church here, God didn't call you to watch. God called you to make a difference in the world. And we want you to know how to do that from the very beginning. So if you've ever been the first step, you've already taken a spiritual gifts test. And if you haven't, then come next week. We'll be doing another one. We do it every month. We also have a life group called Grow Spirit Life that talks about the Holy Spirit in us and we'll give you a spiritual gifts test there. So there are plenty of places where we'll help you get a spiritual gifts test. I I can't do that this morning. All I can do this morning is challenge us to understand that to each of us is given the ability to change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. To each of us. So what I want to encourage you to do is in your life group this week when you get with other people. I want you to talk about your gifts. What are your gifts? And how are you using those to change the world? How are you using those to reach the people that are not a part of the body of Christ? And how are you using those to serve the body of Christ? How are you doing what God puts you here to do? Because if you think about it, it's the greatest privilege in the world. I mean, God didn't have to save us, right? God didn't have to save us. He didn't have to send Jesus to die on the cross. But he did. And then after that, he said, and I'm going to use you to change the world. Wow. He could have just said, you know what? You didn't deserve this. I felt sorry for you. I'm going to let you into heaven. You just sit over there and watch. I'm going to let all the angels do the cool stuff. But that's not how it goes. Jesus told his followers, not the angels, you go into all nations. You make disciples. You heal the sick. You cast out demons. You teach. You preach. You serve. You give. We're going to change the world through you. That's why we're here. And my hope for us today is that we'll grab on to a life that is so much greater so much greater. Can I pray for you? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you loved us enough to redeem us and then cared about us enough to let us be a part of what you're doing. God, we're honored that you would entrust to us the very mission of carrying your kingdom to this broken and hurting world. I pray right now, God, for every single one of us, you would stir us up to fan in the flame the very gifts that you've put in us so that we would become world changers. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those who have yet to make Jesus your king. As we've been pointing out all throughout this series, the Holy Spirit dwells in those who have made him their Lord and Savior. If you want to see God do amazing things through your life, you first have to surrender your life to him. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that. I'm just going to help you have a conversation with him right where you are. Just say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.